Also, happy holiday weekend. It's Labor Day weekend. So um, tonight we will not have our typical activities and Deacon Shed and all that next um, weekend. So enjoy time with your family and, and doing things on your, your Labor Day weekend. As we worship this morning, we're continuing through the minor prophets. And we're looking at the, still in the book of Amos, and we're looking at as this incredible prophet has been following with what God has chosen him to do as he has left the southern kingdom, gone up to the north, and is preaching against the injustice that he is seeing there. And as we get into this, one thing that really hits me is this this close connection that Amos is calling to the people, um, that God is using Amos to share with them that your, your worship isn't congruent with the way that you live your life during the week. And as he is, and he's calling them out on things that they and their um, nation is doing that's going against God. And as he, he does that, it's bringing to a sense in my mind um, of those people when I was growing up that I saw was they were so clearly a Jesus-oriented person Sunday through Saturday, you know, the whole week long. And one of them was my Sunday school teacher. And I first met him not in church, but I remember we moved to a new location, and one of the carpenters, one of the masons who had just completed building our, our chimney in our house was talking about the house, and he was talking about the struggles that he had because he was trying to do something decorative at the top. But throughout, as he was talking about his struggles with doing his mason work, um, he shared a little bit about himself, and we learned that he was a Vietnam vet, and we learned many other things. But it was very clear in his dialogue that he was a follower of, of Jesus. And as he was sharing that, um, it struck me, I think I was probably 12 at the time, of, of what a great guy that he was. And then eventually he invited our church family being new to our church, Owensburg Baptist. And that's where I, from seventh grade on through past college, that my church, that my family went to. And there I saw people within the church that I saw as well who lived out their faith in a passionate way. And I, they were vocal with their struggles of, of wanting to know how much do I devote my everyday life to pursuing who God calls me to, to be. And I remember one family in particular, the, the Adkins that we were close to, who actually I found out later was... Um, the brother-in-law of the, the other person I just mentioned. Um, but they, they struggled with, am I doing enough? Am I doing in my own life all that God is calling me to be? And do you ever feel that in your own life? Like, am I doing all that I need to be doing that God is calling me to do? And we can look at this in, in different ways, in different forms. But this, this family eventually um, sold their farm and went into the mission field themselves as they were pursuing the calling that God was giving them. And I have always thought how amazing that is. Very often missionaries are called when they're younger, or very often missionaries are called maybe a pastor and pastor family. They feel a calling, so they leave one way of doing ministry to another way of doing ministry. But for a, a, a mom and a dad to leave their careers and both leave that in pursuit of what God is leading them to do, to me, was very powerful. 
As we look into this passage, though, it's looking at Amos is challenging the people that God's character is something that you need to know about and you need to be following it. For example, part of God's character is that God loves us. God loved his chosen people, and as a pursuit of that, as we look back to the before leading up to this time period in the Old Testament, God called his people, he called them to be in covenant together, and he asked them, do you want to do this? Do you want to be my people and and me be your God? And they're like, yeah, let's do it. And then continually, right off the the get-go, right from the starting line, they kept messing up. And God, in God's faithfulness, continually pursued them. Pursued them, challenged them, and even though they kept messing up and falling short, God did not. God kept doing his end of the bargain. But not to say as God loved his children, God was also very often angry, frustrated at them because of things they were continually doing that were hurting themselves and hurting people. And as if you're a parent, you may feel that yourself. You know, you you love your child, but when you see them do things that are so contrary to what is good for them and what is good for others, and you see them really messing up, sometimes we feel a sense of anger and frustration at them. So when we see um, these people, and as God is challenging them through the prophet Amos, he begins challenging them on the fact that they are doing things that are hurting other people severely. And not only are they getting hurt by it, but they're, they're growing because of it. They're growing financially. They're becoming more prosperous because of the oppression that they're doing to the poor. And then he's frustrated again, not only because of their actions during the week, but then they're, they're worshiping. They're going to places of worship And they're actually worshiping, and that's frustrating God. It's like, I don't want to hear what you have to say thanking me for your prosperity when you've gained that prosperity off the backs of other people and off of the the downtroddenness that you're coming off other people. You may think you're appeasing me by thanking me in your worship for what you've done, but you're only frustrating me more. And so it reminds me of a a time period when we, as a a, a world, we deal, deal with different things that are very oppressive. And one of the things that I'm really drawn to, um, and there was actually a movie that was out about um, seven or eight years ago, or probably 10 now, it's about William Wilberforce. Does that name ring a bell with anyone, William Wilberforce? There's, okay. So William Wilberforce, history does not know probably as well as it should. But William Wilberforce grew up in church in England. And he was, um, his pastor, his pastor was preaching and sharing the gospel. And his pastor was actually the author of Amazing Grace. And he grew up listening to these sermons And his sermons were looking at how he once was a horrible person because he was actually working on slave ships and actually became a captain of a slave ship. But he had an encounter with God. And the interesting thing is he had an encounter with God and he kept being a slave trader. 
because he was just running with what his culture had taught him. And he was continuing to be the slave captain as a follower of Christ. But eventually the Holy Spirit got a hold of him and said, you're doing wrong. John Newton, you are, you're being bad. You understand the, the crushing and the oppression that you're causing of other people. So after a period of time then, the weight of his sin hit him. And he realized that he needed to change how he lived his life all week long. And that his faith wasn't just a personal thing between him and God. But it was something that affected all his relationships. And what he did for his career and and how he did work. That his faith in God would affect all of that. So he left his career in slave trade and eventually became a pastor. And then comes William Wilberforce. this, This young man in his congregation. And hearing these challenges... And as a young man, he had to decide, which way am I going to go in life? He knew that God was calling him to work against slavery. And so he was praying, do I go in to be a a pastor like my pastor, who is just awesome, or do I go into politics? And after much prayer, he decided to go into politics. And it can be credited to um, England that over his lifetime, he worked diligently to convince people that gaining things off the backs of slavery was wrong. And it was his life work. But it worked by the end of his life, by the end of his career. um, All products and all slavery was abolished in England without a civil war. And also, they refused to buy products that were produced with slave labor. And the big one was sugar. He was convincing people over time, if you buy sugar that's made with slave labor, even though you do not have a slave in your home, you're contributing to that slave trade. And it's just like you're owning a slave yourself. So you have to be aware of your actions and how that affects other things, even though it may be far from you. You need to have your eyes wide open as you live your life to make sure that all things that you're doing are glorifying God. In fact, that phrase, eyes wide open, um, is the name of a little booklet that when in the the 90s we started doing mission trips to El Salvador and New York and and other places. Um, This little booklet talked about how whenever you go into a different culture, that very often... Um, the person who is going new into the culture um, doesn't know how to handle things well and, and gets confused about what is the best way to do things. I'll never forget um, a group that I went with to El Salvador. Um, we were there and we were helping to build little small houses after an earthquake had demolished many of them. And so this, this big truck would come up with sand and cement and concrete block and then kind of dump it all out. And then um, the, the project began and we were doing as we were told from our project leaders there building these concrete block houses. And one of the gentlemen in our group was horrified because the cement was being mixed incorrectly. Um, the way that they mixed the cement is they cleared a place on the ground, they dumped the sand and made a little volcano of sand and put cement in it and water and started mixing it with shovels and hose on the ground. And some of us were quite frustrated because 
little dirt was getting mixed in with that and contaminating the, the cement. But over time, we realized when you have a lot of cheap labor, using a method like that, you can mix a lot of cement quickly. And even though a wheelbarrow may be something that we're more used to um, using to make cement, they knew what they were doing as far as being able to do that. So for us, my challenge for us as we enter these scriptures and as we live life each day is to do it with our eyes wide open, to recognize that as we experience life, to do so looking at the Spirit and God's Word leading us in what is right and wrong, and also the choices that we make each day, and recognizing, is this bringing other people closer to the kingdom of God, or is it pushing them farther away from the kingdom of God? Are we doing things that point toward Jesus or push people away from Jesus? So as we dive into the scripture, let's think about this as we um, consider how we do our actions and look at how they do their actions. In verse 5, it says, Do not seek Bethel, do not go to Gilgal, do not journey to Beersheba, for Gilgal will surely go into exile and Bethel will be reduced to nothing. So at the beginning of here, this is a, a lament. At the beginning of this chapter, he says this is a lament. A lament is a, a, a dirge, a funeral dirge. What the, the speaker Amos here is proclaiming over them is that your funeral is happening. And bad things are coming, and I'm doing this, this dirge, this um, liturgy over you because of your poor behavior. And as he continues, these, spe these spaces, Bethel and Gilgal and Beersheba, are places that they created to worship. And as they created these places to worship, he said, you can run there, but it's not going to help you. You can go there, but these places will be reduced to nothing. Instead, he says, seek the Lord and live. So here he's saying the answer. There's still hope here for you. And that is to seek the Lord. And here he's saying, notice the difference here. These, these other places of worship, the people are going to, to worship, but God is not finding it true worship. In fact, we learn from other scriptures that they've put up, they've tainted their worship with false idols in these places. And as they're going to worship God, they're only worshiping themselves. And God's saying, what I need you to do is not to go to these places to worship. I need you to go to me to worship. I need you to go to me and seek me, and then you shall live. And I'm, I'm sure the people are scratching their heads thinking, but you, you go to these places to worship. That's, that's what we're doing. We're, we're worshiping you, God. And he's saying, no, you come to me to worship. Six, seek the Lord and live, or he will sweep through the tribes of Joseph like a fire and will devour them, and Bethel will have no one to quench it. There are those who turn justice into bitterness and cast righteousness to the ground. So within this, this small book, God is teaching through Amos two important themes, and that is the theme of justice and the theme of righteousness. And these are important characters of God, that God is the ultimate in justice 
and making sure things are right, making sure things that not only the, the people who are wrong get punished, but that things are fair so that everyone can have equal footing in life. And righteousness is living out this way of living every day. And he's calling on people to live these and not just cast them into the ground. He who made Pleiades and Orion constellations, who turns midnight to dawn and darkens day into night, who calls the waters of the sea and pours them out over the face of the land. The Lord is his name. With a blinding flash, he destroys the stronghold and brings the fortified city to ruin. There are those who hate the one who upholds justice in court and detest the one who tells the truth. You levy a straw tax on the poor and impose a tax on their grain. Therefore, though you have built stone mansions, you will not live in them. Though you have planned lush vineyards, you will not drink their wine. For I know how many of your offenses and how great your sins. There are those who oppress the innocent and take bribes and deprive the poor of justice in the courts. Therefore, the prudent keep silent in such times, for times are evil. Seek good, not evil, that you may live. Then the Lord God Almighty will be with you, just as he says he is. Hate evil, love good. Maintain justice in the courts. Perhaps the Lord God Almighty will have mercy on the remnant of Joseph. Here is he hallmarks that the way that you're living your life is incongruent with the worship that you're doing. You're doing things as a society and as a culture that go against who I am. You're oppressing others. You know, and as we look at what it means to put God first in our life every day, it kind of reminds me of, of scales. We have, you know, Lady Justice holding the scales and, and she's blindfolded and you have the scales and it's saying that justice should be completely fair and the, the justice is not holding a blindfold and or has a blindfold so that the truth of what things could be simply by the merits of the case. And here it looks like the merits of the case are pointing out that the people are guilty and God is the judge. And for each of us, as we truly look at how we live our lives, I feel the tension. I feel the tension in my life as I recognize I have the things that I do that promote Randy, that promote my family, and I give weight to those things. And I look at how I spend my time and how I spend my energy, how I spend my money, and a lot of that is for my family. And then there's other things, though, that I could be doing with that money, with that time, and that energy that would be truly benefiting the community around us and doing in direct ministry with other things. And so these things in my life are in tension. Do you ever feel that tension? Do you feel that tension of where you're wanting to do for both, but recognizing we have limited time and limited resources? How do you make that choice on how much time and energy and money that you're spending on others versus what you spend on yourself? This tension is a, an important tension. If we don't feel this tension, I worry that we've simply gone too far and we're just very comfortable with the amount of, of energy and time that we spent for our, for our own benefit. But here, through this prophet, God is telling them, I want you to re-examine how you spend your life 
Monday through Friday. I want you to re-examine what you do and how much you do that affects the people around you. And to be feeling this tension of how much I do for God versus how much I do for me, how much I do for my family, is an important tension that we need to lean into and to feel that tension and to think about, am I fully being who God is calling me to be year-round, 24-7? Or am I letting myself just sink into this habit of, of doing the worship on the weekend and then doing whatever and, and feeling like I've done my, my deed now and just living how I want to live the rest of the week? But as long as I come back and do my weekend worship, then I'm okay. And God's not good with that. God is wanting all of us. And God loves the people around us who are living in brokenness and who are living in um, oppression that they are feeling in various reasons. And so it's really important that we are involved in making the world have a clear picture of what it means to be a follower of Christ, what it means to be people who are pursuing his holy name. And we have lots of opportunity to do that in various means. Our church family does missions in a lot of different ways and a lot of different um, styles. We help with international missions. We have speakers come in sharing of their stories of what they're doing. We have local things that are going on right here in town. One of the, the ministries that we've been working with um, is the House of Hope. The House of Hope is a, a, a group of churches. We have come together, and every Tuesday and Friday, we enable people to come in and to get groceries for their families. And one can volunteer during that time period, but also during the week to help prepare um, the, the goods for the people to use those. There's a lot of different ways that we can, can help out with the kingdom and what God is calling us to be. But what God mostly wants of all is not simply actions out of our hands, but what God is wanting is our hearts. God is wanting our hearts to be fully turning to him. And as we do that, the actions of our hands, the actions that come out of our mouth will just flow naturally. Like as we see the world, we will see it with compassion. As we see needs in our local community, our heart will be stirred with compassion and will be driven to work to do things, not because of an obligation, not something to cover guilt for something else that we've done, but simply out of compassion because of having the heart of God. So this morning, I, I challenge all of us to look. Where's my heart at? And is my heart continually leaning into that tension of where God is calling us to be versus where we want to be? Are we become really just complacent with how we live our lives? Um, as we have um, this closing thought, when do I say that ain't right? And sorry, English teachers, I chose to put ain't in there. But as you're living your life, as you look around us, do you ever feel in your heart this discontent and you just think, that's not right. That ain't right. Well, what God calls us to do is we need to be listening to the Spirit in our lives and saying, do I need to be doing something about that? Do I need to be being actively involved in fixing this 
system and fixing this problem that is existing in our world? And then am I listening to the Spirit on how to do that? You see, we can be people like William Wilberforce. We can be people like my Sunday school teacher. We can be people like John Newton. You see, as we allow God to come in and change our heart, then the actions that come out of that will be truly displayed. So this morning, as we sing our, our final song, um, be thinking about this question. When do I say that ain't right? And what am I doing about that? And am I allowing God to lead me to be an active part of his kingdom? Heavenly Father, as we look to you as our source of hope and source of strength, God, help us to see the world with your eyes, to see the world the way that you want it to be. But most of all, God, let us see our own hearts the way that you see us. May we understand the need that we have to truly turn to you. And may that be the source of all of our healing and our strength and our foundation of hope for the future. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.